This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. There's so mates, plenty to talk about. As always, this is Friday, thank God, January 6th. Welcome to Fox Hills Black Report. I'm Courtney Hicks. And I'm Nicordelai Corte. We are honored to stand behind this desk each day to take you on a journey across black America and stories that impact our people. It is all about bringing you our news, our views, and our voice. Topping the news today, just a horrific story out of New Jersey as a mom is headed to prison for the gruesome killing of her son. 28-year-old Nakira Griner was convicted of killing and burning the body of her 23-month-old son. Police say that she also dismembered the body and burned his remains under a shed in the yard. Now, back in early February of 2019, Griner called police and reported that her son, Daniel Griner Jr., had been abducted while they were walking to the store, claiming a stranger attacked her and kidnapped the boy. Police began their search for the child, and those efforts finally came to a horrific end when Daniel's remains were found in the family's yard. Griner will face a mandatory sentence of life in prison without parole. Connecticut State Representative Quentin Williams is dead after he was involved in an overnight highway crash. A wrong-way driver slammed into Williams' car following the governor's inaugural ball and his own swearing-in ceremony for his third term as a House Democratic leader. Quentin Williams is from Middleton, Connecticut and is known as Q by his loved ones. State police said both drivers were killed and one of the vehicles became fully engulfed in flames. State police have not yet released the names of the victims. Williams was 39 years old. And to Florida now, where 10 people were hospitalized after a shooting during a video shoot for rapper French Montana. It happened outside a restaurant in Miami Gardens. Reports suggest tensions sparked when a man's watch and wallet were stolen, creating an argument between two groups. All of the victims are expected to survive, but the exact condition of those shot has not been released as police continue to investigate. Police in Illinois are searching for the suspect behind a triple shooting in the Pullman neighborhood. Police say two men and a woman were putting groceries in their car last night when a car pulled up and started shooting. It was on South Doty, though police say it may have been targeted. A 25-year-old man is in critical condition. The other man and the woman are in good condition. And, you know, another um, senseless act yeah, of violence, and, Courtney. And, and we're only in the, into the sixth day of the year. Not even a full week. Yeah, and those, those statistics uh, from last year with mass shootings and, and, and violence um, were just off the charts. And my prayer, my hope is that we're not headed uh, you know, back in that same uh, direction. But it has just been unbelievable. Again, not even a full week yet in the, inside of the uh, first week of the new year. And, and going back to the mom and, and, and the toddler, just, just a, a gruesome, gruesome uh, discovery. Um, and, and I have to factor maybe in some sort of uh, mental illness. You have to, uh, you know, not only question her and her actions, but maybe the village, the family uh, surrounding her. Were there any signs? Uh, and it's just, just really sad. And, and there's been some, some talk on how, as a village, we need to better protect uh, our babies, our young people, and um, we can't continue to fail them or we're just going to miss out on yet a, another generation that's just not going to physically be around if we don't, you know, rise up and, and protect them and, in, in better ways, if and, you will. And speaking of, you know, folks that are were, that are part of that next generation, mm -hmm. uh, Connecticut State Representative Quentin Williams was one of those leaders yeah. of the next generation. I had met Quentin on a number of occasions. I think he had gone out on a few dates with uh, a friend of mine. Mm -hmm. Um, and so when I, I heard the news, um, you know, I really sort of felt the loss. Mm -hmm. um, each and every time I encountered him, he just felt like a public servant's public servant. So uh, just so terrible to see 
uh, his, his uh, untimely death, mm -hmm. um, but the life that he lived and the work that he did on behalf of the people of Connecticut um, will never be forgotten. Yeah, and, and his legacy as well. I was devastating to uh, see that. I was like, I took a double double take because I know he had just, he, he was just sworn in. He was a, a part of the conversation mm -hmm. uh, with these past elections and uh, it's, it's, it's shocking and heartbreaking at the same time. So prayers to uh, uh, his family and his uh, community. That's right. Yeah. All right, moving on, the ongoing debate over the House Speaker comes as the nation marks two years since the insurrection on the Capitol. Today, President Biden presented the Presidential Citizens Medal to 12 people, including members of law enforcement and election officers. Five people died as a result of the attack from supporters of then-President Donald Trump. All right, folks, the, the, the saga continues uh, where the fight for House Speaker is in its fourth day. Now, the longest speaker election since 1859. But GOP frontrunner Kevin McCarthy and his allies are hopeful the deadlock will soon break. Now, as the drama unfolded on the floor, urgent negotiations between GOP holdouts were happening behind closed doors. Among some of the concessions being floated, a vote on term limits and lowering the threshold to force a vote to remove the speaker to a single member. Regardless of these changes, some Republicans say they're not relenting. If adopted, the changes could hamstring McCarthy or any speaker's ability to lead as they face the threat of expulsion at any point. So it has become like a daytime soap opera, maybe even better. So let's give you some even more insight. As Republicans continue to squabble over who will be the next speaker, there are essentially no members in the U.S. House of Rep Representatives, only members elect. You got to keep that in mind. So without a speaker, none of them can be sworn in. And the 118th Congress can't even convene or vote on any rules. Parliamentary procedure has been omitted in favor of controlled chaos. Members of both parties are unsure whether they can call votes or make motions on the floor because there is no speaker to rule on their requests. Now, the ruleless, memberless House means that committees can't be formed either and legislation can't even be passed. Now off to South Carolina, where the South Carolina Supreme Court struck down the state's six-week abortion ban. The high court ruled that the restriction violates the state constitution's right to privacy. The 2021 law banned abortions once a fetal heartbeat is detected, which can be as early as four weeks into a pregnancy. Now, South Carolina Republicans vowed to press forward with new restrictions. And this was huge because uh, I was once a, a news anchor down in that area. It's called the CSRA. And uh, South Carolina is a part of the area that we, we cover. And uh, they are as conservative as conservative gets. So for something like this to, to be happening, um, maybe it just, it just underscores that uh, there are some people who are ready to really voice their concerns and make it be known that uh, there are some issues here. Um, and we might see some changes that we didn't expect to see in that particular region, that particular state. Yeah. And, it's a, and it's a major win for the reproductive rights movement. Uh, we certainly have seen organizations like Planned Parenthood, um, you know, really leading coalitions mm -hmm. in states across the country uh, to uh, really fight this in the courts, to fight in state courts uh, these, you know, abortion bans uh, that have been put, put in place. And so, you know, Sometimes people think about issues like abortion, you know, as issues that, you know, are not relevant to black communities. And, you know, organizations like Planned Parenthood remind mm -hmm. us that, you know, black women do care about reproductive rights and are impacted uh, by uh, lack of access to their reproductive rights, including abortion. And so uh, for the black women in South Carolina, mm -hmm. uh, this uh, victory it is. Uh, at the uh, South Carolina Supreme Court's a big deal. Yeah, I agree. But we'll you know what? But you know what? It's you know, Supreme Courts, you know, they matter. State Supreme Courts mm -hmm. matter, and, and so does the U.S. Supreme Court. Yeah, we'll have to keep our eye on this. This is, this is going to be a good one. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. All right, Supreme Court Justice Ketanji Brown-Jackson is working on a memoir. Jackson, the first black woman appointed to the court, is calling the book 
lovely one. No release date has been set for the book. Jackson, who is 52 years old, was born Katanji uh, Oyika Brown. The book's title comes from the English transition of that name, suggested by an aunt who at the time was a Peace Corps worker in West Africa. Now, Jackson joined the court last year after President Biden named her to succeed the retiring Stephen Breyer. She had previously been a judge on the U.S. Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia. Today will be a historic day in Milwaukee County. The newest sheriff, Danita Ball, will be publicly sworn in as the county's first female sheriff. Governor Tony Evers appointed Ball to complete Sheriff Ernel Lucas's term after his resignation. Ball says fixing the sheriff's office staffing shortage is a top priority. She said she's also focused on freeway safety, the parks, the airport and the courthouse. And Trader Joe's is facing a lawsuit over two of its dark chocolate uh, products. Now, the lawsuit comes after consumer reports found heavy metals such as lead and can uh, cadmium in 23 of the company's 28 dark chocolate bars. My goodness. Now, the levels could be harmful for anyone who eats more than an ounce of this dark chocolate in a day. Plaintiffs are seeking $5 million in damages. And, and if I had some fallout from eating some, some of that stuff, I'd want a little bit more than $5 million. That is dangerous. Yeah, very dangerous. And I was just at Trader Joe's just last night doing some grocery I shopping. I love Trader Joe's. And so I'm standing at the <laughs> checkout. And, and I, you're and, reading and, that, right? And I actually, you know, looked at some of the dark chocolate uh, mm -hmm. that was there for sale. It's like a, it's like a, a final purchase sure, area, right? There in right? The, uh -huh. uh, and I was like this close to getting what looked like the chocolate that we just featured uh, on the screen. And so I'm glad that I, I didn't get it. And mm -hmm. soulmates, you know, be on the lookout. Um, you know, make sure that you're extra careful uh, about getting your chocolates from Trader Joe's. That's right. Back to uh, Justice Katanji Brown Jackson. I, I, off the off rip, I'm sure that'll be a bestseller. People wanting to know more about the rise. And I remember when she was, you know, being. Um, uh, scrutinized, in my opinion. They say interview, looked at, I don't know, I think some of it was a, a bit much. Um, and just the way, you know, her candor and how she just kept real cool. But then I was saying to myself, um, 52 years old, we're the same age. I felt like I wasn't doing enough of my life. Just the accomplishments were amazing. So I'm looking forward to really diving in a little deeper and using some of that to, to continue to inspire, you know, my track and things that I want to, um, you know, accomplish. But that is really something because you know 52 i'll be 52 in february it's it's not that old yeah and 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 if you think about you know all that you have to matriculate through to mm -hmm. get to where she is which is like the pinnacle yeah that's an amazing rise yeah it's not old at all and you know during the confirmation hearing uh one of the things that just stands out to me is when she talked about perseverance mm -hmm. right and and how that wisdom was imparted on her and so i think it's going to be it's it's one thing to say hey folks get out there and persevere. It's another thing to really learn about somebody's story. That's right. And so I'm looking forward to her laying out that story and mm -hmm. getting on the circuit and, and, mm -hmm. and sharing that broadly uh, because she is uh, really incredible. She really, really is. Yeah. 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 Well, coming up, rapper Young Thug's trial has officially begun. Yeah, we'll give you the latest on that and which celebrities could be called to testify. That's all coming up inside of Foxhole's Black Report. We will be right back. A GoFundMe account has been started for the teens who survived a gruesome domestic violence shooting in Virginia. Unfortunately, one of the young girls caught in the crossfire did not make it. Three-year-old Journey Carol Ward is being remembered by loved ones while community leaders are saying enough is enough. This is Journey Carol Ward, just three years old, shot and killed Wednesday morning inside her family's home on Milroy Drive here in Dumfries. Journey's 17-year-old sister and two other girls, ages 16 and 14, and a 17-year-old boy were also shot and seriously wounded in the attack. A 14-year-old boy in the house was not hurt. Relatives say the 20-year-old suspect, Kenyatta Lee Oglesby of D.C., now charged with murder and being held without bond, was the 17-year-old sister's boyfriend and opened fire on the family after she refused to let him use their food stamp card. 
Oglesby was arrested that same morning without incident, people from the community stopping by the crime scene to leave flowers, reflecting on the utter sadness of what's happened here. A young life was taken. I can't even say anything beyond that. It was unnecessary. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling for the family. Compounding this family's grief is the fact Journey's mother, the mother of three of the wounded teenagers, died of complications from diabetes last September. Portia Carroll leaving behind eight children. Most of them were living here at their grandmother's house, getting adjusted to their new life that's now been shattered once again. The family has started a GoFundMe page, which has now raised several thousands of dollars. If you're uh, interested in donating, if you'd like to donate, the link is right here on the screen. Meanwhile, uh, please note that the shooting suspect from D.C. remains behind bars and is being held without bond. Let's go to Georgia now, where Jackie Johnson, that's the former district attorney in Glynn County, accused of trying to protect the men convicted of murdering 25-year-old black jogger Ahmaud Arbery, is expected to be arraigned this month. Now, this comes more than a year after being indicted on one felony count of violating her oath of office and one misdemeanor count of hindering a law enforcement officer. Now, according to reports, the charges point to what appears to be an incestuous web of local law law enforcement plotting with the people directly involved in covering up Arbery's murder. Johnson was charged in September of 2021 after Georgia's attorney general requested an investigation that revealed one of Arbery's convicted murderers worked as an investigator in Johnson's office until he retired back in 2019. More than a dozen prisoners are learning how to climb trees and trim branches around power lines as part of DTE Energy's $70 million plan to improve the utility's electric infrastructure. According to Local 17 for the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers line, line trimmers are extremely in demand right now as we start rebuilding the electrical infrastructure around the country. A lot of it's clearing the lines. The union partners with DTE Energy, one of Michigan's largest electric utilities, on the prison program as well as tree trimming training program. DTE Energy often hires trimmers from other states to clear lines during major outages. The utility says fallen trees and branches are responsible for 70% of its power outages. I think that's a great program. That's good news there. All right, the ex-fiance of disgraced New England Patriots star Aaron Hernandez is in hot water after being accused of misusing funds from a trust set up for their daughter. Now, according to the Boston Globe, Shayana Jenkins Hernandez uh, has been accused by the fund's trustee uh, of improperly spending money from the trust set up for Aaron's daughter. Now, the dispute began when Jenkins Hernandez asked Schwartz, who is the court-appointed trustee of the fund, to pay over $10,000 for the daughter's dance lessons. Now, after Schwartz declined to pay the bill, Jenkins Hernandez asked a judge to remove him as trustee. She says the allegations against her are completely false. Today is day three of jury selection for rapper Young Thug's RICO trial as Fulton County prosecutors take on the Young Slime Life Gang. Now, hundreds of witnesses could be called to the stand in a saga that could continue to play out in court for months to come. He is watching to see what will happen. Jury selection is underway in the Young Thug racketeering trial. The rapper and 13 others are accused of being part of Young Slime Life, or YSL, which prosecutors call a criminal street gang. We can expect all the things that we've ever seen when you have uh, watched a high-profile case. Georgia State Law Professor Mo Ivory says the case will be complicated and drawn out. There are hundreds of names on the prosecution and defense witness list, including stars like Lil Wayne. Both the prosecution and defense are going to use witnesses, high profile witnesses, specifically um, in the hip hop community that there are going to uh, that they would like to use both to prove the case and to show the innocence on the defense side. Prosecutors say Young Thug, whose real name is Jeffrey Williams, used music to draw members to YSL, which then allegedly sold drugs and committed violent acts, including murder, to make money. 
the evidence, which has become very controversial, much of it being the lyrics um, of Young Thug. The defense calls Young Thug a falsely accused artist and says YSL is nothing more than a record label. That these lyrics, that these activities are not at all gang activities, but are an expression of black art. Young Thug is accused of heading up a criminal street gang, but the defense maintains that Young Thug is an artist, not a gang leader. This is mm. a, a pretty... It's uh, a huge case. It's a pretty big case. Mm -hmm. um, and the repercussions of this case um, loom large. Um, one of the things that we just saw uh, in that report is that uh, not only is Young Thug on trial, but mm -hmm. his lyrics are on trial, That's right. right? And the idea that these lyrics uh, could be used against him, that art could be used against him. Uh, I think a lot of artists, um, not just music artists, but I think a lot of artists at large are gonna be paying extra close attention to this. I think so too, and, and I know there's some, some legislation, some policy you know, on, on the books or in the works for these lyrics to not be able to be used uh, against them, but I think it all stems with the, you know, the glamorization you know, of, this, of this lifestyle, and we know that a lot of the rappers uh, from, from the past and today you know, may have come you know, from some hard times, for some, from street living, and now you know, they've gone on to be rappers and some of them have flipped and, and become legitimate businessmen and women uh, and and maybe you know some of them have not and continue uh, living dirty if you will uh, behind the mic or aside from the mic but I really think it goes back to at what point um, do we stop kind of glamorizing um, uh, this lifestyle you've got uh, shows like BMF you've got the the shows on, on the other streaming networks um, that really look at this lifestyle as something to be desirable. And in real life, these folks who've been through it will tell you, you know, yeah, it was good while it lasted, but it doesn't last, and you're either gonna end up dead or in prison. And I think this is an example of that. Now, I know you're innocent until proven guilty, um, but it's a huge case, and there seems to be a lot of uh, surmounting evidence against uh, these charges. And we all know that when the feds come for you, <laughs> they got something on you. Yeah, and, and also, I mean, just the, this idea of art imitating life, or life imitating, imitating art, art. That big um, debate, I think, yeah. I think that, that debate also looms large here, but mm -hmm. this is a serious accusation Accusing, yeah. accusing an artist of using their art to draw folks in mm -hmm. uh, to a gang and to perpetrate, you know, violence, to perpetrate murders, uh, that is a very serious accusation. And so uh, we absolutely will continue to keep our eye on this case uh, and more. Reporters say Twitter was hacked, potentially leaving users vulnerable to more hacks. Now, according to a security researcher, hackers stole the email addresses of more than 200 million Twitter users and posted them to an online hacking forum. The report says the breach may have taken place as early as 2021. There are currently no clues as to the identity or location of the hacker or hackers responsible. Twitter has not yet commented on the report. All right, Soulmates, can you believe how far the conversation surrounding marijuana has come? The answer is pretty far. After the city council in Evanston, Illinois, is debating over the idea of adding cannabis smoking lounges to the town. It's a proposal that has one black city council member leading the effort with some much needed help. Take a look. We have one dispensary here in Evanston and we uh, could by right have up to three and so we're looking to make Evanston a more inviting place for dispensaries to locate. Councilmember Devon Reed spearheading the effort to make cannabis consumption lounges like the one that opened last spring in Mundelein legal in Evanston to bolster its race-based reparations program. Adding two more dispensaries would uh, bolster our funds by you know as much as $600,000 annually that we could commit to reparations. He also argues cannabis lounges would have less of a public health impact than bars. We look at substances like alcohol, which is perfectly legal and uh, much higher harm both to the individual and to the community uh, with alcohol uh, than you know what has been demonstrated with cannabis. But the Evanston Health Advisory Council isn't on board. There are other uh, better ways of raising that money than uh, you know promoting uh, um, things that are going to be harmful. Uh, to our, our community. Specifically, he mentions secondhand smoke and what he calls the normalization of cannabis use. Wherever 
of uh, smoke uh, smoking is not per, uh, permitted. We want that to uh, continue uh, to include uh, 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 cannabis smoke. The committee also tackled an idea about changing the local weed ordinance to allow residents to grow out their lawns or backyards in early spring. And so, you know, this debate, you know, continues, mm -hmm. um, you know, just, just, just yesterday we were reporting, you know, on uh, adult gummies yeah. and, and how adult yeah. gummies were kind of getting in the hands of, of kids Oops. and creating some harm yeah. there. And so on one hand, it's, it seems like a good idea to create a safe space for adults that partake in cannabis mm -hmm. um, to, to be able to go and, 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 and partake in community. Um, but on the other hand, I, I do worry about sort of the effects of secondhand smoke uh, uh, and, you know, for the people that may work at the bar, it doesn't necessarily mean that, that they are there to partake in mm -hmm. it, right? And so mm -hmm. what effect does that have on workers? Um, and are workers able to sort of, you know, opt out in some way, shape or form? And so, uh, you know, th those are my early thoughts on this. What do you think? Uh, well, I, I liken it too, and I'm, I'm glad that the package hit on the whole, you know, bar thing. You know, for me, I don't partake in, in cannabis, but I'm thinking alcohol, cannabis, high is high. I mean, scientifically, I don't know if it's a different kind of high, um, but I think just as, you know, people go to bars and restaurants and have uh, cocktails and we tell them to drink responsibly, I think, you know, you open up these, these uh, places where you can, you know, partake with, with cannabis, you know, smoke responsibly. I do believe there is some gray area with, you know, whether it's cannabis or a cigarette, smoke is smoke. So I do believe that has to be worked out because, you know, most places are smokeless at this point. But I, I, I see it falls under the same concept as somebody going to a bar. So, you know, drink responsibly, smoke responsibly. I just think you have to uh, filter out the specifics when it comes to just no smoking policies and how you work that out. <laughs> we'll continue to keep our the, the eye on this. Continues. I mean, wow! I mean, just it's it's amazing. Just in in five to ten years, that just we're even talking how quickly about you know communities across the country have mm -hmm. evolved. Mm -hmm. You know, on you know the legalization of cannabis mm -hmm. and all the very many different products that are out there from yeah. from oils to mm -hmm. you know cookies Chocolate and chocolates. Yeah. You know, to you know good old fashioned uh, joints. But the joint is it's, that's specific. I know that what that is. Don't put a cookie or or, or Rice Krispie Treat in front of me and I don't know what that thing is. Coming up, that happened to me. New year, new offers from Delta Airlines. That's right. We'll tell you what they're now giving all customers on board their flights. Wow. You're watching Fox Hills Black Report. We'll be right back. We are back. This is the time where we run down the top headlines just in case you are joining us. And uh, we start with uh, Connecticut State Representative Quentin Williams, who is dead after he was involved in an overnight highway crash. A wrong way driver slammed into Williams' car following the governor's inaugural ball and his own swearing in ceremony for his third term as House Democratic leader. Quentin Williams is from Middletown, Connecticut, and is known as Q by his loved ones. State police said both drivers were killed and one of the vehicles became fully engulfed in flames. State police have not released the names of the victims. Williams was 39 years old. And 10 people were hospitalized after a shooting during a video shoot for rapper French Montana. It happened outside a restaurant in Miami Gardens, Florida. Reports suggest tension sparked when a man's watch and wallet were stolen, creating an argument between two groups. All of the victims are expected to survive, but the exact condition of those shot uh, has not been released as police continue to investigate. And to South Carolina, where the Supreme Court struck down the state's six-week abortion ban, the high court ruled that the restriction violates the state's constitution's right to privacy. The 2021 law banned abortions once a fetal heartbeat is detected, which can be as early as four weeks into a pregnancy. Now, South Carolina Republicans vow to press forward with new restrictions. And lastly here, Trader Joe's is facing a lawsuit over two of its dark chocolate products. The lawsuit comes after Consumer Reports found heavy metals such as lead and 
cadmium in uh, 23 of the company's 28 dark, dark chocolate bars. Levels could be harmful for anyone who eats more than an ounce of this chocolate in a day. Plaintiffs are seeking $5 million in damages. Decordalai. Thank you, Courtney. Now off to Kenya, where the body of a Kenyan LGBTQ activist is found stuffed in a metal box dumped on a road in Kenya. Edwin Chaloba's decomposing body was found this week after a motorcycle taxi operator reported seeing a box being dumped by a car with no license plate. The fashion designer has been assaulted in the past for his activism. LGBTQ people living in the East African country where sex between men is illegal say they are often victims of discrimination and attacks. The calls for justice aren't just in Kenya. Ghanaian human rights organization Rightify is calling on Kenya's president to protect the human rights of sexual and gender minorities. And the family of a Kenyan woman who has been missing for nearly a year says not knowing where their loved one is is, quote, unbearable. 33-year-old uh, Irene Gakwa uh, disappeared in February of 2022 from Gillette, Wyoming. There has not been a trace of the nursing student after months of searching by police and family. In May, her 39-year-old boyfriend, Nathan uh, Heitman, was arrested and charged with felony theft, crimes against intellectual property, and unlawful use of a credit card. Heitman is accused of transferring $3,700 out of Gakwa's bank account and using her credit card after she vanished. He has not been charged in connection with her disappearance, but he is a person of interest. Gakwa moved to the United States back in 2019 from Nairobi, Kenya. She moved to Wyoming in 2021 after spending two years in Idaho with her brother. A lot happening yeah. uh, on the continent, right? Mm -hmm. and, and you know, just a reminder, you know, that you know some of the issues that we see here that Black women have to confront around violence and mm -hmm. and coming up missing. You know, those are issues that Black women uh, are impacted with across the yeah. diaspora. Um, and I think the same is true even for the LGBTQ movement. When we mm -hmm. look at the the LGBTQ activist that was um, murdered uh, in Kenya. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a reminder, you know, that, you know, it is still very dangerous in so many different parts of the world, you know, to be uh, proud and out. Uh, and for those that think that being LGBTQ, you know, uh, that, that black folks don't exist in the LGBTQ community here at home or abroad, this is an example that we don't just exist, mm -hmm. uh, but uh, we are, are often in, in danger in places around the world where LGBTQ rights aren't yet affirmed. And, and back to the missing uh, nursing student, listen, the, the circumstantial evidence seems pretty suggestive. So, so I'm wondering what is the, what is the, the block uh, from the person of interest, her boyfriend, who clearly has had some activity after her uh, disappearance, uh, what is the block with him moving from a person of interest to a suspect? So I'm wondering what the what the delay is on that because you know that what they have gathered seems to be pretty strong to at least you know bring him in for questioning and and move forward with him possibly being uh, a suspect. And sometimes you have to circle that back around to you know it, it, does she matter enough? Uh, maybe because you know being a, a foreigner, if you will, or someone of color. Uh, I don't quite understand that. So that story is, is just as disturbing, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah, you're yeah. right. Scientists have developed a vaccine that could potentially both kill and prevent brain cancer from returning. That's right. Researchers at Brigham and Women's Hospital developed this new cell therapy that helps eliminate established tumors and promotes long-term immunity to brain cancer. The method trains the immune system to prevent cancer from reoccurring. Investigators tested their vaccine in advance uh, with um, mouse models and had very promising results. And more research is needed before this even gets uh, close to the marketplace, so we'll keep our eye on that. That's right. Now uh, off to Delta Airlines. I'll be on that flight tonight. Uh, <laughs> Delta Airlines is trying to make flying the friendly skies a little friendlier. 
The airline announcing its free sky high internet service will be free starting February 1st. Yay. <laughs> this is all thanks to a partnership with T-Mobile. Delta says its network will offer the, quote, best in class in-flight connectivity. For customers right now, Delta charges nearly $50 a month for Wi-Fi on North American flights. Now, by the end of this year, more than 500 of D Delta's domestic planes will have oh. the service, uh, and uh, I'm gonna be a happier and, customer. Well, you need to come on over to T-Mobile. I've been with them <laughs> for 50,000 years. I need free service as long as I've been with them. Uh, that's good news. All right, interesting little study here. Uh, the Wall Street survey, the Wall Street Journal closed 2022 with an opinion piece on what they're calling a national crisis after a business school professor at NYU made claims that social media has created a generation of, quote, weakened kids and is threatening American culture and capitalism. Now, the professor is blaming Gen Zers, which are typically defined as those born between 1997 and 2012. He pointed to high rates of anxiety and depression among young people. The, the professor went on to say that Gen Zs are not creative uh, or future uh, thinker thinkers and are less innovative. I'm not sure if I agree with that pro professor, you know. Uh, that's pretty it, it, bold. That's, that's a pretty bold statement, yeah. and, and I would actually venture to say it's a pretty inaccurate mm -hmm. state, statement. I think Gen Z is actually pretty creative, mm -hmm. uh, and you know, when you look at some of the content that's out there, for example, mm -hmm. on social media, on TikTok, mm -hmm. on Instagram, uh, you know, I think that that content rivals the work of professionals in the field. I mean, the videos that folks are able to sort of quickly sort of stitch together yeah. and, and edit and you know, I just think it's it's pretty impressive. And so, you know, it, is is there perhaps too much screen time? Are people are Gen Zers potentially spending too much time on the screen? Sure, maybe. Yeah. Um, but to to say that they're not innovative, that they're not creative, I think that's a that's a bridge I, too far. I, I would I would agree with that. I would say that social media, you know, for those generations born into it, if it's all they know, I, I do think it's taken away from some of their social skills. I'm Generation X. We had to get out there and and hit the pavement. You know, shake hands, kiss babies. You know, write in cursive, know how to write in, in handwriting in cursive. So I do think it has taken, the, the technology has taken a lot of that away. But I've been in newsrooms where Gen Z's, you know, are running it. And I find them at times to be a lot more sensitive and ready to learn and uh, more creative than sometimes the millennials that sit right above them. So, you know, I think it varies maybe from, from Gen Z'er to Gen Z'er, but the ones that I've come across, uh, I'm inspired. And I think that, you know, once I hit, you know, my grand old yesteryear days, I feel like I'll be okay. At least I hope I will. Because I, I do I do right by the millennials and the Gen Z. I keep them so close because they help keep me fresh and fly. And on top of it, yeah. you have to keep you have to keep that near you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So Mr. Professor, I don't. I don't think we <laughs> yeah, agree with you. you I don't, know. I don't. I, I. I think you're doing a little he's, too much. He sounds like he's annoyed right? by Gen Z. Right. You know, if, if there is something the that a Gen Zer did to you, yeah. Right. You know, we can talk about it. Just give us a call here at the Black Report. <laughs> 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 Moving along, there's more. There's more coming up right here on Fox Soul's Black Report. That's right. We'll have the very latest update on Damar Hamlin's condition. Oh, man, it's a thumbs up, too, I believe. We'll be right back. Stay close. You're watching Fox Soul's Black Report. Welcome back. A bit of a sad story here. Uche Nawaneri, a former offensive lineman for the Jacksonville Jaguars, has died. That's right. According to reports, Nawanere collapsed in a bedroom at his wife's home in Indiana on December 30th, where she discovered him and called 911. The autopsy results showed no signs of foul play, and that preliminary test showed that he may have suffered a heart attack. Nawanere was selected by the Jaguars in the fifth round of the 2007 NFL Draft out of Purdue. He appeared in 104 games starting 92 for the team between 2007 and 2013. He was only 38 years old. 
Doctors are updating what they're calling the remarkable progress of Buffalo Bills safety DeMar Hamlin. Hamlin suffered a cardiac arrest on the field Monday night during the game against the Cincinnati Bengals. Doctors say he is awake and moving his hands and feet. Yay. He has the ability to to talk, but can't at the moment because he's still on a breathing tube. Now, when he woke up, Hamlin was surprised to learn that he was out for two days. His first question after waking up was, who won the game? <laughs> it was handwritten to his nurse mm. on a sheet of paper, and we love to see yeah, it. Yeah, that is good Get news. well soon. That's right. All right, sticking with some sport news, sports news, uh, Kenyan runner Diane Kipyoke is stripped of her 2021 Boston Marathon title after testing positive for a banned substance. Now, the discovery was a part of the pro of a probe by the Athletics Integrity Unit that found a prohibited anti-inflammatory substance uh, in a urine sample taken the day of the marathon. Kipyoke didn't challenge the results. She is banned from running marathons for six years. Kenyan runner Edna Kiplakat uh, was named the winner, the new winner of the 2021 Boston Marathon. Kibyoke, as well as two other Kenyan runners who tested positive for the banned anti-inflammatory uh, substance are charged with tampering with the AIU's doping investigation. And Kenya is just catching it today in, in the headlines. Yeah. Well, well, but can we learn a little bit more about, you know, what this anti-inflammatory drug is? Mm -hmm. um, because, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it, it, it seems perfectly reasonable to me that a, a runner, runner yeah. a long distance runner, you know, might take anti-inflammatories, mm -hmm. you know, but, you know, I'm unclear what the connection between that particular drug and doping. I know uh, this drug mm -hmm. uh, has been banned, you know, but uh, do we know enough about this drug? Like, was it banned for the right reasons mm -hmm. or, or, you know, was it banned for the wrong reasons? Those are good questions. Good questions. We'll continue to keep our eye on that. Uh, but while we're keeping our eye on that, we're also going to keep our eye on on the scale. <laughs> and Shaquille O'Neal, <laughs> who good. says he's giving himself until his 51st birthday in March to lose 20 more pounds to add to his already impressive weight loss. The former NBA player has already lost 40 pounds and says he wants to lose 20 more, saying, quote, I'm going to get real chiseled up and do an <laughs> underwear ad with my sons. Okay, nice. Mr. Underwear ad. Okay. The path to a cleaner diet started when he got blood work back, and O'Neal said because he was an athlete, he didn't pay close attention to what he was eating. Now, aside from his diet, he's working on eliminating bread mm. and soda and is also taking supplements and drinking shakes. Come on, Shaq. Gotta love it. All right, the Grammys announced this Lifetime Achievement Award recipients, and the list is so dreamy. It includes the Supremes, Nile Rodgers, Slick Rick, say what? Ma Rainey and Bobby McFerrin, and one of my favorites, the late Nancy Wilson. With the Supremes uh, getting the honor, Diana Ross will be the first woman to receive the award twice, once a group member and once as a solo artist. She won her first uh, award back in 2012. The Recording Academy says the Lifetime Achievement Award is presented to artists who have, quote, uh, made creative contributions of outstanding artistic significance to the field of recording. The award would be pre presented next month ahead of the 65th annual Grammy Awards. I'm excited. More congratulations to go around. Congratulations to singer Summer Walker after welcoming twins into the world. The Over It singer shares the twins with her ex-boyfriend, who was also her doula. Walker says she's proud of herself for doing a second home birth. She was in labor for seven hours, and one of the twins was breached. Walker says that she couldn't have done any of this without her support system, including uh, her Erica sort of Badu. doula coach, uh, Erica Badu. And just like that, she's a mother of three. Yeah, yes, yeah, just like that. Something. I mean, that's amazing. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. uh, and not easy to do, but it's interesting to see that there are so many more women that are electing Choosing that uh, to, to do process. natural births mm -hmm. uh, and are engaging doulas. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and it's it's also good to see that that with the, the national discussion that's happening around maternal health and the the impact of uh, the lack of maternal health care, particularly for black women, 
uh, doulas are an important part of that movement, investing more in, in programs that help to train and support doulas. And so good to see Summer Walker leading uh, uh, in that way. Yeah, speaking of, of, of leading, getting back to this Grammy Achievement, yeah. Lifetime Achievement Award, these in, incredible artists, leaders uh, yeah. in their own right. We're talking the Supremes, Nile Rodgers, Slick Rick, that's significant. You mm -hmm. know, a lot of times rappers, hip hop artists aren't including in, included in the pack or the thought. Ma Rainey, long overdue, Bobby McFerrin, and Nancy Wilson. What a, what a rich listing of just, you know, coming from the pool of black genius, if I, if I can take that from uh, Donny Hathaway. And I was just excited when I read that list. Yeah, me too. And, and I don't know goodness. if you ever had a chance to see uh, the Netflix film that uh, Viola Davis did mm -hmm. uh, on Ma Rainey. Yeah, oh right? yeah, absolutely. Um, it's who, fabulous. in my view, is, you know, one of the hidden figures uh, in music, at least to my generation, mm -hmm. right? And so uh, I was delighted to see that she was on the list. The Boss. The boss, mm. Diana Ross, the is home about girl. To get That's right. Honored by the, That's by right. the Recording Academy. Um, you know, very well deserved. And, and Nancy the baby. Wilson. Nancy Wilson, the baby. Nancy Wilson. Yeah. I remember. I remember uh, watching Nancy Wilson perform. She came to uh, USC when I was a student there, um, and she was amazing. You remember her on the Cosby Magical. Show? Magical on the Cosby Show. I do. Yeah, I do. I just, do. Just phenomenal. Yeah. All right. All of that black excellence. We're going to keep it going. Uh, it's, it's, it's shown by one teacher through her dedication to her classroom. That's right. We'll introduce you to the woman who's been teaching for decades wow. and has no plans on stopping anytime soon. You're watching Fox Souls Black Report. We'll be right back. Alright soulmates, Houston native Sharon Lamont is being recognized for over five decades of service as a teacher in the Houston Independent School District. Wow, this sassy 77-year-old started her 54-year teaching career in January of 1968 during integration and now she is one of over 900 long-term employees recently honored in a special ceremony celebrating their milestone anniversaries. I've been working for HISD, or Houston Independent School District, is what I prefer to say, for 52 years. When I started teaching in 1968, everyone wanted to be in Houston in, in the Houston Independent School District. I don't know anyone that didn't want to be in the district. So I was really, really happy. The most beautiful thing about being a teacher is your students. Every day. They give you something to think about, something to laugh about, something you see growth. All of that makes it all worthwhile. And then when you do all of that and you put it all together, then you just go the distance. And it doesn't seem like it's such a hard job. It seems like it's something fun because it's like I said, it's a part of you. What can we have instead of five dimes? Excellent. It's amazing and it's a humble experience, one that I also feel motivated when I get to see her and talk to her just because uh, that's a true dedication and to be able to continue the dedication here at Navarro, uh, it speaks volume for a lot of the things that are happening here on campus. Yes, April. I plan to be here many more years. <laughs> I plan to be here for a while. Amazing. Yay. Oh my goodness. We love teachers. That's amazing. Congratulations mm -hmm. to Sharon Lamond over in the Houston Independent School District for all the great work that you're doing, all the great work that you have done for the past 54 years. Yeah. And what I love, you, you, you caught like a little snapshot in that piece, but you saw her, it looks like administering something by way of computer, uh, maybe a, a Zoom or something like that. So can you just imagine, you know, the different uh, eras that she mm -hmm. has been able to adjust and adapt to from, you know, what teaching was in the late 60s to, to now 2023 to be to be that um, um, pliable yeah. is 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 even something to to acknowledge. Yeah, I mean, once yeah. upon a time, you used to just send notes home and now you can actually text parents, right? Mm -hmm. So you're right. I mean, teaching has evolved so much over, 
you know, just the, the course of the past decade, let alone 54 Lord, years. I right? would have got a whooping every day if my <laughs> teachers were able to text my parents. Are you kidding me? In at real time. In real time. Right. At least you waited until parent teacher conference and you and then they come out that room like they come out the classroom looking at you like, really? Get in the car. That's right. <laughs> if they wait for you to get in the car. Uh -huh. I remember getting tapped on when in, in the school in front of friends. All right, we're gonna move on to uh, New York, New Jersey, a native there named Hassan Abdus Sabor. Uh, for him, cycling symbolizes a sense of freedom and perseverance to explore paths less traveled in the midst of change. That's right, Abdus Sabor is using cycling to economically empower students as studies show, 80% of students who attend HBCUs borrow loans at greater rates to finance their education and have higher levels of unmet financial needs, especially for first-generation students. That narrative is reflective of the circumstances Abdus Sabar faced nearly 30 years ago as a sophomore at Howard University. What started as an act of kindness to support a student in need has emerged into a movement as Abdus Sabar organized the annual HBCU scholarship mm -hmm. bike ride and has spearheaded the HBCU textbook fund in partnership with GoFundMe's Go Find You initiative. Abdus Sabar is a firm believer that financial obstacles shouldn't be a deterrent to education, and we love to see it. You gotta love that. We, we talked a little bit about him uh, not too long ago, and uh, it was an effort where a friend of his, uh, like, sister needed money, and he decided to uh, form this uh, situation to where he could uh, help with that, and uh, she was able to go on and finish, and it, it has come, turned into what it's turned into, so wonderful. You can definitely make a difference. And each one teach one, it's good to see him doing his part. That's right. Especially taking it back to the Mecca, Howard <laughs> University. Uh, now to a Ghanaian, Ghanaian. Ghanaian, I'm gonna get it right. <laughs> inventor who developed wireless earbuds that can instantly translate languages and has become the latest trend in the communications world. This is amazing. Danny Manu developed earbuds that auto-translate over 40 languages. The product called Click is said to be the world's first truly wireless uh, earphones with the live voice translation feature. The wireless Bluetooth headset works by pairing to a smartphone. The earbuds automatically detect the language being spoken and then provides a spoken translation. Click does not require internet like similar inventions. That's right. The device has been on the rise since its invention and has won customers across Europe, U.S. and Asia. Manu says that the journey has been long and stressful, mm. attributing his success to hard work and determination to overcome the challenges black startups have in the U.K. Manu built his business through self-financing and raising over $500,000 wow. on crowdfunding. Proof. What a great story to end the Proof week on. What can be done when you put your mind to it? I'm Courtney Hicks. I'm Nicordelai Corte. Until next time, please stay lifted. <laughs> okay, that's a lot of energy. <laughs> Have a good weekend, y'all. Yes, happy Friday. Ghana forever. Ghana na 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 That's how it's spelled. No. That's, it looks Ghana na 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 I think it was misspelled. I don't know what happened, but it was.